your preferences is different than mine. Uh, as I said before, we have 9 million members. In an ideal world, we have 9 million different shops uh, on our platform because making sure that from the minute that you or I or anybody around this table visits our platform, in that first one or two seconds, we need to capture his or her attention. Hello everyone and welcome on this new episode of the House of Marketing's podcast. My name is Jean-Marc. And I'm Eva. And today we meet you for the fifth and last episode of our e-commerce podcast series. Oh, it's a pity it's the last one. I really like the first four. Um, and today we're not alone. We have again Stephanie Tang joining us. Hello, Stephanie. Hey, guys. So, Stephanie, as you told us in a previous episode already, you're a senior consultant here at the House of Marketing and you worked on this year's edition of the e-commerce barometer, right? Um Can you tell us a bit more about this? Yes. So um, just like every year for the past five years, we are publishing the e-commerce barometer together with Safe Shops. So in a few words, we reveal the performance of online merchants based in Belgium through data we collect from payment service providers. And this year, through this podcast series, we would like to interview some e-commerce leaders in Belgium and discuss with them how they are tackling opportunities and threats in this growing but competitive market. Yes, and this is the fifth and last episode. In previous episodes, you always shared with us a conversation with one of the business leaders of different companies like Casidomi, Chef Baskets, Overstock and Too Good To Go. And now my question is, who are we meeting today, Stephanie? Aha. So for this last episode, um, I'm having a conversation with our expert guest, um, who is Tobias Toussaint, country manager at VP for Benelux. And in this episode, he's sharing with us how VP is removing hurdles and creating personalized experiences in e-commerce. He also tells us how AI and image recognition are technologies they have fully implemented into their operations. And finally, Tobias also tells us why deliveries and returns will never be free at VP, but how you can instead work on lowering return rates. Um, yeah, I really like this episode because along um, the conversation, Tobias is sharing very actionable tips and tricks with us. That's very nice. I'm really looking forward to it. So let's go. Hi, Tobias. Welcome to our e-commerce podcast series. So happy to have you here. Hi, uh, happy to be here. Thanks for coming. Uh, can you tell me what VP does and your role within the company? Uh, for sure. So uh, VP is, is the European leader in, uh, in flash sales. Uh, we are currently operating in, in about 12 countries. Um, and basically, we are a B2B2C company. So we connect uh, brands with a, uh, a high uh, qualitative uh, member base, so consumers. Um, and basically for, for the brands, we offer a, a high traffic platform where they can sell their stuff, their items. And then for the consumers, they can find their favorite brands at steep discounts, saving up to 70%. Um, and this actually happens in a, a temporality. There's, there's a certain time frame to it. So every week or every day, actually, we launch new campaigns. Uh, for a certain period of time, which makes our offer different today than next week. And mm -hmm. that's actually the, the flash in the flash sales. Um, and so I'm country managing manager for the Benelux. And in that role, I am responsible to make sure that we strengthen our, our position as a e-commerce leader in the Benelux uh, by leveraging our European scale as a group and, and, and the group knowledge. 
Okay, interesting. And can you tell me how big um, VP Benelux is? Um, for example, how many brands do you offer and how many active members there are? Yeah, maybe one one step back. As a group, we are we are around six thousand people strong mm -hmm. uh, in Europe. Uh, we did around three point eight billion euro in turnover, um, and we do that together with around seventy seven thousand brands uh, on a yearly basis. Um, and the Benelux represents roughly anything between ten to fifteen percent of that, uh, depending on which KPI you're looking at. So, um, we have around nine million members in the Benelux. Uh, we're Um, north of 300 million euros uh, in turnover. Uh, and we employ actually more than 400 people directly in, in Belgium, that is, making us the biggest e-commerce uh, employer in, uh, in Belgium. Can you tell me your business and logistics model? Um, so our business and logistics model is, is a bit particular. It's not as the, uh, the standard e-commerce model uh, because we are in this flash sales business. Um, because we don't own the stock, uh, so we reserve or block the stock at our suppliers, which means that it's not in our warehouse uh, usually when we uh, when we sell it, um, and that makes for a bit longer delivery times. Um, but we try to uh, to uh, to decrease them as much as possible, and we do that in in three ways. So either we have the stock um, upfront in our warehouse uh, when the supplier ships it to us before we do the sales. Um, and then obviously we can guarantee a very quick delivery time um, or in the uh, large part of the uh, of the campaigns that we do, we actually order multiple times during the campaign um, and then the supplier ships us the, the bulky uh, deliveries, I mean the, the, the deliveries in bulk actually, to our warehouse and then we cross dock it and ship it to our consumers. Or thirdly, um, if the supplier is, is able to send directly to consumers, Um, then they basically ship our orders to our consumers, uh, which we call drop shipment. Mm -hmm. 2020 has been a very special year, isn't it? Can you briefly explain the impact of COVID-19 on your business and how VP has responded to it? Yeah, it, it has been a, uh, a strange year. Uh, I think nobody uh, saw COVID coming or at least not the, the, the impact of it. And it also impacted our business quite, uh, quite drastically, obviously. Um, luckily, we are very diversified, so we, uh, we operate in, in the fashion segment, the sports segment, home and deco, uh, electronics, uh, but also travel. Um, so the impact on our business has been very diverse. Mm -hmm. uh, take, for example, the travel business uh, that came to a complete standstill uh, in, in March, April, uh, whereas then other businesses uh, were able to withhold uh, and withstand um, the uh, The COVID crisis and, and what we did as a, as a company is basically very quickly um, ask ourselves the question, how are the needs changing from our consumers and how can we um, adapt ourselves and the offerings that we have to address those needs? Um, and so we basically shift a lot of our offer to help people live at home and work at home uh, so that we could offer things to install their home office, uh, to keep just the kids busy uh, because everybody was having mm -hmm. the kids at home and had to work. Um, so that's one thing that we did. The second thing that we, um, that we faced as a big challenge was to keep everything going. I mean, we are a pu pure e-commerce player, um, so people were still ordering and we had to get the orders out, obviously. So keeping our warehouse open and operational was, was a big challenge. Um, 
for which we had to implement many different uh, and new procedures, discipline, uh, and then also obviously hygiene um, uh, factors like the gel, the hand masks, uh, the, the masks, sorry, um, to make sure that people could still work in a safe environment. And did customer expectations change over the last year? Uh, of course, you said that uh, consumer preferences um, were different. Is it lasting? I think, it, I mean, consumer expectations are, are changing constantly and, and, and as so with, with COVID. Um, but, but a couple of things that we are seeing, um, not just this year, but also over the last couple of years, is really that there is this this higher awareness, and I think it was probably strengthened due to the uh, the COVID crisis. This this awareness about what is our impact as as humans, what we, what do we consume, what do we leave behind, and so I think one of the biggest consumer trends that is really here to stay, I think, and and that came more prominent in in COVID is is this question around sustainability and and how you consume. And how are you answering these new consumption habits? Are there initiatives that you have launched? Yeah, very much so. I think as a group as well, we also question ourselves and in, in, in how can we address the needs of our consumers, but also the needs of our of our partner brands, um, and they also are are quite uh, concerned and aware of um, uh, of all the questions around sustainability and their ecological footprint. So for that, in twenty twenty twenty, we actually launched two initiatives. Mm-hmm. Um, one which is we call uh, Return. Mm-hmm. And is actually a, a C2C platform that we link to our platform, allowing our members to uh, sell their returns to other members of VP instead of returning it to VP. Mm-hmm. Uh, so making sure basically that the item, the sweater, the, the, the shirt ends up with somebody who will wear it, whose size it will fit. Um, and preventing unnecessary steps in, in logistical uh, chain or, or just additional handling. So that's one thing on, on the uh, C2C platform. And then actually quite novel, um, in last December, we, we launched our first campaign of uh, the project, which we call Recycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, together with Aigle, uh, we launched a, a campaign. And this is actually a C2B uh, initiative, so consumer to business, where... We are um, giving the opportunity to our member base to return worn items of a certain brand. In this case, it was Aigle, so the boots, the rain jackets, etc. And as a consumer, you could just indicate, I have boots that I've worn, that I want to get rid of. They're collecting dust in my cupboard. I send them back to to VP and you get in exchange a, a voucher to spend on new Aigle items in the channel of Aigle. So we're also pushing traffic and new customers to the brand um, and that has been really successful and now we're looking into uh, this was a an initiative that we launched in France and we're looking now to expand it in in all our categories sorry in all our markets so also in the Benelux it's, it should come this uh, this year. Interesting so of course customer experience is key but even more for you a pure player right can you tell me how you're maintaining a positive customer experience throughout the journey? Uh, Stephanie, you're you're very right. I think customer experience is uh, extremely important, especially in uh, in the online world, uh, because you you don't have this human interaction, right? Um, so this is also a strong focus point for us, and I think that to me is the key word in in making sure that you generate this positive experience is is by focusing on it, uh, by focusing on it on it. Sorry, throughout your entire customer journey and making sure that everybody 
is aligned in it and, and knows what we um, what we do and why we do it. And, and at VP, we try to create this positive customer experience by making sure that we get a very high qualitative offer to our member base uh, at, at really uh, great discounts. And I think the best thing that, that you can do as a company to make sure that you uh, maintain this positive customer experience is by also being your own customer. And so that's what we really uh, try to do. And, and I think all of our employees are also our own customers. And mm-hmm. we, we try our own platform. We, we, we buy our own uh, goods that we sell. Um, and that's, I think, the first feedback that, that you should get as a company to make sure that you're creating this positive customer experience. Mm-hmm. And a positive customer experience, of course, leads to a better conversion rate. Do you have learnings on how to improve that conversion rate? Um. I mean, conversion rate is is, is the uh, the golden KPI, right? If you can mm-hmm. get that one up, uh, your business is, is 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 thriving. So, I mean, one of the golden rules is remove hurdles. Make it as easy as possible uh, for your consumer to get from A to B, and then A being the entry point and B being uh, actually purchasing something on your platform. Um, and then your customers become your ambassadors. And, and that's also what we try to reach with uh, at VP to make sure that our customers uh, because they like the experience basically are the ambassadors for uh, for our model you talked about removing hurdles can you give me some examples of the hurdles you're removing Uh, yeah over the years we've we've done many tests in in making sure that we are as smooth as possible and and removing as many hurdles a couple of of concrete examples that we've done is uh, is removing clicks to get to your basket. So basically, making sure that it's uh, quite easy to get something into your uh, into your shopping cart. Um, for example, making making it possible that you can on a page overview, so on a product overview page, uh, immediately add a product to your cart mm-hmm. uh, instead of having to go to the detailed page where you can find a full description. Um, but also in in the payment flow. Uh, which is a very important flow in uh, in the eventual completion of the cart, um, which is a, a co- collaboration between usually the yeah, the merchant and then the uh, and then the payment service provider. Uh, so we've worked also quite hard with that to make uh, to facilitate, for example, just a one pick uh, one click payment. Sorry, um, allowing a customer to basically uh, purchase anything with just a click of a thumb, and mm-hmm. that really drove up the conversion rate. Okay. And I think something important for VP is personalization, right? Um, what does that mean for you? How are you putting this into action? I think personalization is, is has been a keyword for, for over the last uh, couple of years. Um, and so I actually still believe in it very much. It might be a buzzword, but it's also one thing that I think we, we should all do because your preference is different than mine. Uh, as I said before, we have 9 million members. In an ideal world, we have 9 million different shops uh, on our platform because making sure that from the minute that you or I or anybody around this table visits our platform, in that first one or two seconds, we need to capture his or her attention. And we can only do that by making sure that that the sales or the brands that we show on those very very first seconds are the ones that are of interest to that person. Um, and that's something that we've worked hard, hard on on the last years, and it's only been made possible by by the computational power that is now a lot more available than than years ago that that run these algorithms for for personalization. Well, you know, sales metrics are of course a way to measure the success of your initiatives. Um, are there other KPIs 
that are important to you? Yeah, there's there, there's always KPIs. Obviously, for for any project or idea that we launch, it, it has its its uh, own KPIs. But linking it back to this positive uh, customer experience, because that that in essence is the higher level goal of of many of the projects that we put live, are uh, a couple of KPIs that are important, which uh, is obviously the MPS. So the net promoter score, which I think is is quite commonly known by now, mm-hmm. uh, which we track at different different stages of uh, of the interactions of a consumer with with our platform. We track it after a customer care contact, uh, after delivery, uh, and and any other, any other contact that we that we might have, and that's a an important parameter that we look at. Uh, but also, as we said before, conversion rate and and a number of uh, of sales parameters, of course. Um, and those are all KPIs for the B2C part of our business. Um, there's the second part uh, of the business, which is our B2B towards our brands, um, which is also an extremely important part of our of our business where it's a bit more difficult to put KPIs on uh, because it's a lot more with the human touch. And I think there, the, uh, the, the, the thing that is super important is just our, our sales team and, and the human interaction that we can have with these brands to to try to grasp their needs and then build services that that actually serve those needs. This was a very interesting first part. I really appreciate what Tobias says about customer experience. Yeah, it was very insightful. But now I want to get back to the numbers. So how was the overall evolution of e-commerce in 2020 compared to 2019? So in 2020, e-commerce grew by 7.5%, but actually it's a slower growth than compared to the previous years. But if you look at the number of transactions, those have increased by 26.5% compared to um, 2019. Of course, many things can explain that, but on the micro level, a company can work towards conversion rate optimization. And this is what Tobias is going to share with us next. So, so VP is offering a platform and great visibility to, to brands. Um, are there other data insights that you're sharing with them? Yeah, as a matter of fact, we do. So uh, we sit on a huge amount of data, obviously, uh, with with all the visits and all the people that, that come to our platform every day. Uh, we use that data to nourish our, our suppliers, obviously, in an anonymized way and, and, and within the GDPR boundaries, obviously. And that's one service that we give to them. Next to the service of what you just mentioned, this vis- visibility and, and brand awareness. I mean, uh, in, in Europe, we welcome around 4 to 4.5 million members every day to our platform. That's a huge number of eyeballs that see your brand if you do a campaign and sale with us. Um, so that's one of the uh, one of the other added values that we give to our brands by partnering with us. Okay, and talking about innovation, are you considering or using technologies like AI, voice uh, technology, chatbots? Uh, yeah, I mean, innovation is, is quite important, as is technology. Uh, and, and many of the technologies that you've just mentioned, uh, we are using or have tested. Um, but even more so in France, uh, we, we actually started a, uh, a incubator Mm-hmm. Uh, which is called Station F, uh, incubator slash accelerator, um, for for new ideas for startups to to be within a, a bigger frame to be able to launch their ideas, test their ideas, um, and actually two of those ideas that came from Station F were then actually acquired uh, by VP, so Daco and Scalia, um, that bring then new technology uh, back within uh, within the firm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, DACO and Scalia? What are they doing? Yeah, for sure. Uh, DACO is actually a tool that builds on, on AI uh, as well as image uh, recognition. Um, and that basically scrapes the, 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 the brand's websites, so the websites of our partners, with their permission, obviously, um, to create catalogs or, or pricing information. So it's, it's basically a tool that avoids double work mm-hmm. uh, because pictures or, or descriptions have been made once uh, and then shouldn't be made uh, another time. Um, and that gives us a huge pile of, of data. And then actually Scalia, on, uh, on his side, um, makes structure in the chaos. Uh, so he takes, or that program, the idea is that, that it takes that huge bulk of data and then structures it into something that we then can produce uh, an input in our system. So it, it says what word is the color, what word is the description of the, uh, of the item. And actually, lastly, the different technology that we use is, is, is also uh, around image recognition that then actually works as a, as a double or a triple check to make sure that um, if Scalia says this is a, a yellow dress, that the picture that is, is combined with that description is actually a yellow dress and not a red, not a red dress. Okay, and all these initiatives and technologies, are they already integrated in your operations or is it still a proof of concept no no no. this is a this is already fully ongoing so this 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 was launched in the station f uh, environment and then bought and fully integrated in the vp world um, and then now within vp we are actually working uh, to make one full integrated system so uh, and that should come also to the benelux in uh, in 2021 Okay, I feel like uh, there are tons of projects going on at VP. Um, have you found the magic solution to reduce the number of returns yet? That's a fantastic question. Um, honestly, it buys me to say no. Uh, we haven't, and, and unfortunately, nobody has. I think the um, the, the the solution to uh, eradicate returns is uh, is not yet present. Unfortunately, it's it's a very complicated one. I think. There's a couple of things that influence uh, returns. Uh, one being the uh, the picture. Uh, if your picture is is not right, people will re- return it, obviously, because they purchase first and foremost based on what they see. Um, secondly, it is this this product description. Uh, the more details and and the more accurate you can make this description, uh, again, the better the person actually knows what they're purchasing. Um, but then lastly, especially for the fashion industry, this is just a very hard nut to crack because we are only working already together with 7,000 brands. Mm-hmm. They all have different sizes. They all have different size uh, bows, etc. So there is no standardization nor harmonization. So getting this size question right um, will also diminish the, uh, the number of returns greatly. But we're not there yet, unfortunately. Okay, but let us know if you find a solution. Um, and since you were talking about returns and logistics, um, can you explain your delivery and return policy? I think that VP has a very strong position about yeah, that, it does. right? It does indeed. Um, I'm a strong believer that there's no such thing as a free lunch. Uh, and it also applies to logistics and transport. Um, so from the very start, we've always uh, applied our, our, our transport fees, so our logistics fees uh, for the outbound, uh, but also for the return flow. Um, and we've always done that very transparently. Uh, it's not hidden away on our website. It's from the minute that you add it to cart, it is visible. Um, and that's just something that, that needs to be paid. And, and we are very transparent. Some others, they hide it in the margin. 
Uh, we don't. We're very transparent about it, and, and it will always be that way. It, it's 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 one of our values, transparency, and and it will stay. Okay. And if there's maybe still one project that you would like to talk about, uh, maybe something in the pipeline, something that you can disclose and tell our listeners. You're asking for a scoop. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, I think there's 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 one one big project that uh, that is called Brands Place. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is our marketplace, so where we will allow brands to uh, basically manage their own inventory and and uh, and prices on our platform, and hence benefit from our traffic. That is already live in in France and in Spain and Italy, uh, and it's also coming in uh, in the Benelux in uh, this year actually. Okay, very curious to to see that. Uh, well, Tobias, thanks a lot for answering all my questions. Uh, now I'd like to end the conversation by asking you a few questions, if you are ready for that. Yeah, sure. Okay, can you uh, tell us a situation where you've gone over and above for a customer? Uh, there's there's many, uh, many examples of, of where uh, team members went above and beyond uh, to make sure that, that our customers can have a good experience. I think one which really stood out when I heard the story was was uh, a couple of years ago when um, where I think November December we sold uh, yeah, things toys for for Saint Nicholas Saint Class um, and we had sold one of uh, these dolls that could talk I think um, and uh, upon arrival the mom tested the doll and unfortunately she could not talk uh, so she malfunctioned uh, she contacted our customer care team uh, we tried to uh, to find a replacement uh, unfortunately. The brand could not deliver it in time, uh, but that was uh, not of an issue for our customer care manager. Uh, he basically uh, he went to the toy store, he repurchased the same doll. Then he drove on the 5th of December, this was, he drove to uh, 50 kilometers to the house of, uh, of the mother, waited outside because the daughter was still uh, awake and obviously uh, he could not spoil where the toys or where the presents from Santa Claus come from. So he waited outside until the daughter was asleep. Then he rang the doorbell, uh, delivered the new doll, uh, and hence saved uh, Sinter Class for uh, for the little girl. So that was, I think, that was a quite compelling story, and uh, and it's actually fully true. Mm-hmm. And and I really like this um, this anecdote because I feel like your team is very empowered to to do so, right? Yeah, very much. That that that's 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 one of our values, and it has been from the start. Uh, it's also what we screen for for uh, for new recruits. Um, the empowerment should be there, and we 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 should give this free freedom, and we do. And and when you do, I think these these kind of things happen. Mm-hmm. And another question is: How do you stay up to date about e-commerce evolution and trends in in general? Um, are there readings, podcasts that you that you would recommend? Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot of things out there, and sometimes difficult to see uh, through the clutter. But uh, there's a couple of things that I like. I think uh, Stephen van Bellingham is uh, is one that I follow. Uh, I think his his weekly short recap of uh, what happened on uh, on the tech front is is always a a quick update. Mm-hmm. Um, but also TechCrunch on the daily uh, the daily update the feeds, um, or or just what happens in the uh, in the inter- international fairs like the CES uh, to know what is what is happening in the tech world. Um, but also just some books. I think it just just received from my wife the book Predictably Irrational, which mm-hmm. was a good read. Um, so so a number of things. Yeah. Okay. And can you mention uh, some examples of e-commerce companies that inspire you? 
e-commerce companies. Yeah, I think one one big company that inspires me is is Tesla. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's maybe not fully an e-commerce company, although I think you can actually purchase a Tesla from uh, from your sofa at home if your credit credit card can uh, can actually hold it. <laughs> um, but I think they are um, they are they are they are quite an astonishing company. I mean they. They they have removed hurdles uh, and they're constantly removing hurdles. Maybe not in in the product, uh, but also more so in in the way they they think. I mean, they had an audacious goal, electrifying mobility. Uh, in the start, everybody was was I think a bit uh, skeptical, uh, but they pushed through and they followed through, and uh, and now I think they they have created a full a full market. So it's it's quite an astonishing company. And I have a last question for you. Uh, what is your best personal online experience? Um, I would say Uber or, or Lyft or uh, any uh, ride-hailing app. Uh, I think they have uh, really, they're the pinnacle of, of removing obstacles, basically, if you think about it, because they've taken a, a, a very cumbersome process. Let's say 10 years ago, if you had to get, get, a, get a cab, you had to have cash. Uh, you had to have four or five phone numbers because uh, the first one would probably not be available. Um, and then you had to wait for them. You have no clue when they came. And they have removed all of those hurdles, all of them, and really made it into a very simple process of how you can get from A to B and even made it scalable. I mean, it's the same app everywhere in the world. Uh, you get out of the aer- airport, get your Uber app and the Uber arrives. Uh, so they're really the, the pinnacle of, of removing hurdles and, and a, a fantastic experience, I think. Well, thanks a lot, Tobias, for your time and for sharing all this with us. It was a very great discussion, I think. Thank you very much. It was a big pleasure to be here. That was a very interesting, insightful conversation. Yeah, a very nice last one, actually. Thank you for sharing, Stephanie. I had a great time. It's nice to hear that, Stephanie. So this was the last episode of our e-commerce podcast series. Mm, it's a bit sad, but uh, if you would like to have a better overview of everything that is happening in the Belgium e-commerce landscape, we're very glad to give our report about it to you. Yes, you can download the report on our landing page, tom.eu slash EBM. Um, that is T-H-O-M dot E-U slash E-B-M. And in the barometer, you're going to find tons of quantitative insights about the Belgian e-commerce landscape. Yeah, and you can find the link in the description of this episode. All right. Thank you, Stephanie, for joining us. It's the last one. So previous one, I always said, nice to see you again. But this is, yeah, a bit of a goodbye. We'll see in another context, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So if you enjoyed this episode and the whole series, do not hesitate to leave a review on Apple Podcast. This would really help us a lot. Yeah, that's really the best way to help us. So thank you to all the reviewers. And as Eva said, this is sadly the last um, e-commerce episode for now. And we will catch you in the next one and talk back about ID marketing and the Luminous case. So um, see you in about a month. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Adios. Bye-bye.